Human beings have three basic needs. We all want to be loved, secure, and worthy. And when those needs aren't met, we experience the aversive emotions of grief, fear, and anger. This is the foundation upon which your Enneagram type is developed. When you were a child, as you were navigating how to survive and thrive in the world, you looked at your primary caregivers to help you meet those basic needs. And if they reacted to you in a way that made you question whether or not you could get those needs met, you developed certain strategies, habitual patterns of behavior to control, to ensure that you would get those needs met. Welcome to Love Liz, the podcast that's all about inspiring you to be yourself, find true love, and live your purpose. This is for all of you seekers with deep desires who are struggling with your own self-worth and figuring out how to make your dreams come true. I'm your host, Liz Newcomer, actor turned Enneagram coach, human design practitioner, wife, and mama. I believe that who you are is enough to create the life and love you desire. Listen to find out why. This episode is about how your Enneagram type informs your relationship to food. I'm going to go through each of the nine Enneagram types and how their personality strategies operate when it comes to eating, and also how each type goes about getting their needs met and what happens when they don't trust that their needs will be met, where and how do they control in the context of food. I'll also include a few recommendations, tips to integrate a more balanced and holistic approach when it comes to eating. Starting with type ones, type ones want to be worthy and the way they control that is by being right and good. And so that might look like portion control, not eating things that they deem as bad, being extremely restrictive, limited controlling in their diet. It's hard for ones to let themselves indulge in pleasure. So it's possible for them to have a restrict and binge cycle by restricting all of the bad things. And then at some point they go in the other direction and overindulge and then they beat themselves up and criticize themselves for making a mistake. And then they're back in the cycle. When I think of an Enneagram one, I even get this visual image of someone who is very thin and put together and upright posture, who measures or weighs their food. There's this tightness and contraction around eating and pleasure. I know one Enneagram, one mother whose daughter is actually obese and the one mother is very judgmental of her daughter. And I think part of it comes from a self-protective or protective place for the daughter of not wanting her to be criticized by other people. Of course, the daughter is probably really seeking that unconditional love from her mother. And there's almost this subconscious manifestation of the request of like, can't you love me even if I'm overweight? Can't you accept me as I am even if I'm different from you? So Enneagram ones can be hard on themselves when it comes to food, but they can also be hard on the people who are closest to them. If you're an Enneagram one, it's important that you let go of the rules and find a way that you can eat in moderation while allowing yourself to indulge in the pleasure of eating. 
How can you be less hard on yourself, less critical, judgmental, restrictive, softer, playful, more spontaneous, have more fun with food? For a type two, the giver, their needs are very tricky because they repress their needs and they put other people's needs as their top priority and they go to fulfill someone else's needs. So when this comes to food, I just get the image of an Italian grandma who's like, manja, manja, like eat more. What can I do? They might overfeed their children or other people while underfeeding or undernourishing themselves, waiting till everybody else has their plate and then they're left with the scraps and they can be almost martyr-like. My needs don't matter. I'm not as important. It's fine. I'll just eat the leftovers. No, no, let's not do that. (laughs) For a two, I want you to fill your plate first. Every two listening to this podcast is like, what are you talking about? That is never going to (laughs) happen. It's okay to have needs. We all have needs. And when you nourish yourself, you have more to give everyone else. So fill your cup up, get your nutrients in. For a type three, whose sense of self-worth is wrapped up in being successful and how they're perceived and how they perform, their looks mean a lot to them. Vanity. They want to look good. They're probably really good at keeping to a diet, especially if it's goal-oriented. Calorie counting, probably great at that. They also are very active and busy and hardworking and are usually focusing on doing those things that they likely forget to eat, forget to slow down and rest. And so they may be operating a little bit on adrenaline. What I would love for you threes to know is to let down the mask, even if it's just with yourself looking at yourself in the mirror. What would it feel like to not have to be on all the time? How can you treat your body well by giving it some rest? How can you just let yourself be? How can you enjoy eating just for the pleasure and act of eating itself and not make it about some sort of competition that you're trying to win? For a type four, I talked a lot about my relationship with food in last week's episode. But the four, the dreamer has a desire to be special and unique in order to be loved, in order to have that connection. And because they want to be special and unique, the fear is that they aren't already. And so then they go to comparing themselves to other people. That's where the pattern of self-abandonment comes into play because they're looking outside of themselves to find the answer to, am I good enough? Am I standing out? Am I special? So emotionally eating is something that they can really fall prey to. And I know fours who've had problems with anorexia, bulimia, overeating. There's part of the four pattern where they make themselves the victim and they use food to punish themselves and to perpetuate the cycle of longing and wanting instead of having what they want. And so for the four, it's about letting go of the comparative mind, being present with oneself, refusing to self-abandon, allowing people to be on different pages, 
and to know that you can still be connected and you still are special and unique. For a type five, the observer, when it comes to their needs, they're usually pretty good at getting their needs met when it comes to their resources, enforcing their boundaries of time, space, and energy, saying no to other people when they feel like they don't have enough to give or contribute. They're probably pretty minimalist too, or can be when it comes to eating. They're very self-sufficient, simple, but they can also disconnect emotionally and physically and prioritize their mind. And so they may not always be attuned to their body and what their body needs. So if you're a type five, your whole journey is about seeing abundance instead of lack. And because you might have lower energy physically, it's important that you eat to fuel your body and, and know when to let your mind take a back seat. For the Enneagram type six, the questioner, this is a fear-based type who has a really busy and active mind and can have a lot of anxiety. And that anxiety makes them think about how other people might perceive them and act accordingly. And because that mental game can be so exhausting and overwhelming, a lot of times they might want to try to control through food or alcohol to quiet those voices in their head. I've also noticed that sixes can eat really quickly, not even tasting their food. They get through it so fast. I'll sit down at a restaurant with a six and they are done when I'm like on the third bite. Very hard for me to match their pace. And then drinking too can just be such an escape. Sixes have a line to three and they look like fours. So I do feel like there's this desire to be perceived as beautiful Not so much because they're seeking the approval like a three or seeking to stand out like a four, but it's more in the desire to be valuable to the group. And we know that people like beautiful people or people like strong people. So sixes can get caught up in how they're perceived in being strong and beautiful and using food to control their anxiety So the sixth journey with food is really about trust, faith, courage, trusting they are safe, spending less time caring about what other people might think of them, and really getting into the bodily sensation. It's safe to eat food. It's safe to treat yourself well. You can trust yourself. The type seven, the epicure, or the enthusiast, the adventurer, usually gets their needs met by distracting themselves with a lot of different things, staying on the high side of life, having fun, enjoying things. They don't want to feel pain or boredom or be limited. And so they're constantly on to the next thing. So when it comes to food, that might be trying a bunch of different things, but not really appreciating any of it. I went with my brother and sister-in-law to Per Se in New York, and it was already they have like a 15-course menu. And for some reason, we got additional courses. It was like a 23-course menu, and it was a little bite of everything. And it was delicious, but I have no memory of anything that we ate because it was like just 
a complete glutton fest. By the way, I was supposed to have a party that night and walking home to my apartment on the Upper West Side, I felt like Violet Beauregard in the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory. Is she the one that turns into a blueberry? Like I felt like you could just roll me home. I was so full. (laughs) So anyway, back to a seven. It's really about savoring, staying with a bite. Sevens are so busy and active too. So they're constantly running on to the next thing. And I would love to see a seven do. I did a mindfulness-based stress reduction course. And one of the activities was take a long time eating one food, like one almond, one strawberry, and really savoring and relishing in it, staying with that one ingredient. And what does that do for you as a seven? The type eight is the challenger, the protector, the boss, and they get their needs met by controlling how things go, by taking action, by not waiting around. Eights are usually, if you sit down at a restaurant with an eight, they usually want to dive straight into ordering. They may order for you. They may order for the table. They may order too much food. They have a tendency towards excess. They want to experience it all. My sister is an eight. Simone was an eight. The quantity that they are able to eat is impressive. My sister could go to her favorite Arno's restaurant in New Orleans and get a roast beef po' boy and french fries. And I don't even know what she orders, but she orders a bunch of things and she can put it away. The thing about eights is that they're all or nothing because eights are really good at going all in on whatever their thing is. So they can go from monastic diet to like full on French multi-course indulgence. I think the journey for an eight is really about not controlling. It's about appreciating the simplicity. Similar to a seven, it's more finding the enjoyment not in the quantity of more, but for the thing itself. I think where sevens and eights differ, and this is why sometimes people aren't sure if they're one or the other, they're wings of each other and they can look alike. Eights almost have this bottomless pit, insatiable desire, lust for life, more, 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 more. And sevens, it's not so much about quantity as it is about variety, wanting a lot of different things because they get bored with one thing. So a seven could go to a buffet and try a bunch of different things, whereas an eight could go to a steak restaurant and just get like a big ribeye and just want that one thing. So again, eights, simplicity. Where is the bottom to your pit? When are you satisfied? How can you let go of controlling and how can you Maybe there's a little bit of vulnerability and hunger for eights too, because eights resist vulnerability and being weak. And so maybe having more of something means that they don't actually have to face that feeling of desire if they always satisfy the desires. Yeah. So taking it down a notch and just find satisfaction in each bite. Our last type is the nine, the peacemaker, the mediator, and nines are not totally aware of their needs either. Like twos, again, another lookalike type and nines avoid conflict. They don't like to be uncomfortable. 
And so they can really cushion themselves and numb out from the world if it feels like too much conflict, too much trouble, too much to handle. And a lot of times they'll do that with food, with chocolate, with crackers and cheese, with alcohol, with mindless eating. It's almost like it creates this comfort bubble and then they don't have to deal with whatever it is that they might resist. So obesity, sloth, being lazy to their own priorities and agenda and what it is that they want and believing that they matter and that they can get their needs met. The beauty of nines is that they can see the value in all sides. And what that looks like when it comes to food is, let's say you invited a nine friend to go out to a restaurant and you asked them where they wanted to go and they said, it doesn't matter wherever you want to go. Like they're not saying that to be annoying. There's They just can see the value of going to a lot of different places and they don't really care unless they do. And then sometimes they care, but they don't want to say it. And that's powerful for a nine. Then you'll know because they'll be resistant and stubborn and maybe a little passive aggressive. And then you're like, ooh, what is it that you do want that you're not saying? Tell me that. But I think nines, their journey with food is really not using it to escape, to numb out, knowing that they can endure the discomfort of living this life and that they need to be awake because their presence is such a gift and they create more conflict when they don't take care of themselves. And if they're really wanting peace, then they have to have their own agenda. They have to say no and have their own boundaries. And that applies with food as well. Sometimes I do these podcasts and it's like I go into this different world and I'm like, what did I just say? (laughs) Did that make sense? Are y'all following me? Are you with me? I hope that was valuable. I hope it resonated with you. I hope that it makes you think about your relationship to food in a compassionate way, knowing that you deserve to have your needs met and you can trust that they will be met and that you'll do what you need to do in order to get them met without trying to control or manipulate the outcome, without punishing yourself with food or putting your attention on other people. Let's transform our relationship with food. Let's make it a beautiful, nourishing, fun, pleasurable, delicious, delightful way to experience being alive. Yes? All right. Until next time. Love, Liz. If you're ready to discover your true self and break free from those automatic patterns that may be holding you back, I invite you to take the next step and book a Discovering You Enneagram typing session on my website, elizabethnewcomer.com. This session will be your guiding light on the path to authenticity, alignment, and fulfillment. And if you're enjoying this podcast and find it inspiring, please consider leaving a five-star review. Your feedback is encouraging and helps our message reach more people who could benefit from this transformative journey. Thank you so much for being a part of this community.